Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Wild Ones podcast, the show where we chat about bike stuff. This is Jimmy, I'm Francis, and we're your hosts. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Francis? Yeah, good. I'm a bit tired from riding a very long gravel ride around Stonehenge with hot chili. Your voice is a bit croaky. Yeah. Are you, are you sure that's from riding bikes? I breathed in a lot of gravel and it and hay fever yeah. is in the air. And and gin. So I'm glad I'm doing it. Oh yeah, no, we did have a shot of 58% gin. You, should, you sure your tiredness isn't to do with that? I do think the gin has made my voice go. Well, then all of the associated things to drinking gin at two in the morning. Mm. I've had a busy week, as you know. Um, Atticus is officially back. We launched three jerseys, one of which is your special edition jersey. Is the cat out of the bag? It is out about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like live. You talk about it is it, yeah, yeah, yeah. today. Yeah. Cool. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so we designed a jersey which was to commemorate. Is that the right word? It feels like someone's died. Commemorate the two bikes, one wheelchair ride across the USA where we raised loads of money for charity and it was amazing. And me and my mate Justin had a brilliant time. So we've done a USA inspired jersey. I, I remember even midway through the event, you messaged me and Emily and like, I want to do an American jersey. Oh yeah. And then we parked it for a while and now we finally done it. Mm -hmm. uh, there is also two other jerseys, uh, one with Chris Hall slash Zero Lemon, which is Chris's little design uh, space which is inspired by some of the rides he's done in, in Morocco and on like desert terrain and cracking oh, dry gland. in the ground. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And then one designed by Emily, which is my favorite naturally, which is a nice teal thing inspired by music, which is something that is like my, me. I am, I am music. You are music. I am, yeah. After your pizza song last week. Exactly, yeah. Yep. First up, we wanted to discuss a conspiracy theory. That's what they do in podcasts, isn't it? But the conspiracy is about us. <laughs> so they do do that in podcasts. They do a lot, right? That's how you get views. So we're going to talk about the flat earth. <laughs> we're going to talk about, we're sponsored by SRAM. But we're not sponsored by SRAM. We're not now. No. I would like to be. That would be nice. It would. Mm. Would it be? Or would it be annoying based on what we make? It would actually be very annoying. So 
Some people in the comments, because we are quite nice about SRAM sometimes, even though I'm a bit nasty to SRAM other times. As soon as you're nice about something, people think you're a sponsor by them. We're not sponsored by SRAM or Shimano or any group set manufacturer for that fact. Like I, I think it would be annoying if we were sponsored by one because then you couldn't cover any other stuff. So it's like, I think actually SRAM are probably being, well, they actually have been the hardest group set company for us to build a relationship with. Mm. So the, the, I guess the challenge we have is because we want to feature lots of products at lots of ranges, it's very, very expensive for us to just pay for stuff. So what we try and harness is relationships with brands that enable us to get access to stuff, sometimes at trade, free if possible, but at least currently we're not being paid for anything. Um, you historically have had a relationship with Shimano. I don't think they even actually paid you then, did they? They used to just give you- No, 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 they never paid for it. They covered a couple of um, expenses for trips. Yeah. Like I did a cool thing where we went to Von 2 with Sean Sacco. Oh, Sean. <laughs> you and I remember Sean. Sean. I remember him. I hope he's okay. Uh, <laughs> we did stuff like that, but yeah, they never ever paid me. So uh, a lot of the Shimano stuff that we have hanging around at Cade Media is stuff that you've historically had for free. Yeah, yeah. That was Jura Ace Crank in the, in the loft. That's where that came from. Yeah. Free crank. Um, the Shimano stuff that we have got, we've paid... It was only actually very recently they've sent us anything for free. Um, not to advertise. We actually, It was actually through Scott that helped us get it. We were building up the Cade Media bikes, which is two road bikes, two gravel bikes. We want them the same so that we can switch stuff out. And we were chatting to Scott not the person, the brand, uh, head of marketing at Scott. And we've said like, is there any way you can get us some group sets? Cause you know, they're expensive and we want to do some more stuff. And they spoke to SRAM. And then a couple of weeks later, four group sets arrived, which was unbelievable. But we have no direct relationship with SRAM off the back of that. They haven't asked us for anything. We have no interest in being nice to them if their products are crap. And the same goes to Shimano and Campag and all the others. We just want to access the product really. To be yeah, honest. if you're a group set manufacturer, please send us some group sets because we need as many as possible. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, you... Chinese guy's quite good with that. The Chinese manufacturers, yeah. L2, although they seem to be less responsive when I made a video about one of their groups as not being, when it snapped, the shifter snapped. Yeah. And they are now they're like less likely to send us things, but less fine. like friendly over email. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, Sensor, the other uh, Chinese brand, they are sending us the new hydraulic group set. I've been in touch with the guy on Twitter, yeah. which is really good. But that's, it's a thing that goes on behind the scenes all the time. And what you guys don't see from the videos is that we have to constantly be in you know, communication with these companies to get hold of the stuff or we buy it. And like, I don't know what the, how, you've been looking at the books. How much have we spent on groups? Ah, uh, SRAM Red, full SRAM Red, full SRAM Eagle, full SRAM Force, Rim Brake, uh, and then all of the extra like bits and bobs that you need for those. I guess the main reason we've been buying Rotor and full Rotor group set, Ad admittedly, because we have Nick, who's our friend from the bike shop, runs a bike shop. We do get trade price on a lot of stuff or trade plus a bit, and that makes things easier. But we're talking tens of thousands of pounds on bike shit. So I think one of the, imp the important things that we do do is when we feature something new, we always say, <clears throat> excuse me, we always say if we've been paid and we also always say if we've been given it free. 
And then I think probably what we'll start doing forward is actually just saying even when we're buying stuff. So we won't let people, because I think like if we're, if we're not saying either, it's probably because we've actually bought it. Whereas then I think if you say nothing, people then assume that you're advertising to them. So I think going forward, probably what we'll do is when we feature something, even if we paid for it, we'll just say, we paid for this. Mm. People are rightly skeptical because creators are naughty with this kind of thing. Some creators are. You, you know me though, I'm like hardcore on this. Mm. My, the only thing I care about is the people that watch and listen to our stuff. Yeah. And I wouldn't ever allow us, and you know, you wouldn't want to either, advertise a product that we think is junk. Because mm. um, that's the thing, you know, we get loads of stuff sent our way that we just turn away. We have, we have people that offer us money to advertise their product and we say no because we don't want to make videos that we're not legitimately backing. Oh. You don't want some CBD? No. Yeah. Um, well, this year we have made a handful of videos about entry-level bikes. Mm. One in particular has done outrageously well and nearly has a million views. I think yeah. it's on about 800,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The others have also done very well, most of which have got a couple of hundred thousand views. When we started making these videos, our opinion on what an entry-level bike is probably a bit different to what it is now. Yep. Shall we discuss what we now consider an entry-level bike to be? Yeah. I think with the starting point we were at, we were quite far along our cycling journeys, as are a lot of people, as are some people. Yeah. And you lose track of what you 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 stop riding entry-level stuff once you reach a certain point i think some people do yeah. some people do yeah and you you know moving to the next thing you do a bit of racing and then you want a performance-based bike and then you kind of lose track of like what what is a specialized alley you know mm -hmm. and our opinion after making these videos has changed changed significantly the big manufacturers have what is called an entry-level bike on their roster a bike roster, but is it really entry level compared to the other ones that we ended up looking at? I would say they're definitely not of value for money. In terms of in terms of spec, technically, you could probably put them in entry level. Mm -hmm. I think what I've learned from this process is entry level now is a lower end group set. Mm -hmm trying to put disc brakes on it but not necessarily very well and trying to fit as many people as possible what's the definition of entry level though because you're based on price or you're basing it on spec because the price wise no one is entering the sport very okay let me rephrase that very few people are entering the sport and spending a thousand pounds on a bike and at around a thousand pounds that's what the big manufacturers entry level options are that's a lot of money. Yeah, I think, but is but a thousand pounds now is probably about six hundred pounds from like a decade ago. Sure. And I my first road bike was six hundred pounds, isn't? So I guess my first bike was about a thousand pounds. Yeah. Um, but then my commuter bike, which was the one that I used to use to get around town and actually commute to town in, into work on, was a hundred and fifty pound single speed that was just like. Plastic. So like a state or something. No, no, way, way more budget than that. There used to be a uh, a British company 
that used to import Chinese bikes, single speeds only, mm-hmm. on Hackney Road called No Logo. Oh. And their logo was No Logo. Well, they had a logo. It said No Logo. logo. Um, so I bought one of those because it was when, like, you know, Fixie was, was legit cool and they used to do, like, really cool bikes. So I had one which was, like, Superman colours. Red, cool. red and black. No, red and blue. That's Superman. Um, and, you know, that cost 150, maybe 160 quid. And that was the one I used to do all my riding on around town. And then I decided to get a road bike and it was a 600 quid bike. I kind of feel like entry level is actually much broader than I realized. Mm-hmm. I thought entry level was a lower spec road bike. But I think the more you dig into it, the more it, there's actually little subcategories within it. And it is price based. It's actually like some people just don't want to spend more than 500 quid on a bike because either they can't or they just don't want to. They just don't think it's worth spending that kind of money on a bike. So it's interesting to see what has happened with the comment section of the video that did extremely well. Uh, For the viewers at home, we might not be aware, we've covered a decathlon bike, which we went and bought from the shop when this little secret camera blurred out the people's face (laughs) in the the video. Um, It was 340 pounds, a tri-ban specced with micro shift. Yes. Yeah. Um, great bike. It was fantastic. The comments have now shifted from the. I guess the first wave of audience was enthusiasts, mm-hmm. like our usual viewers and enthusiasts, and now it's being spread even further by the YouTube algorithm. And now the people who are watching it, there's a lot of comments that are like, 340 pounds for a bike. How is that entry level?" I would never spend that much. Like that, that amount of money is is a lot for a bike for for, for lots of, lots and lots of people. I guess it depends. It's a not cheap bike. It. I think it depends a lot on like what you're doing, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Like if you're commuting and you're like trashing a bike, like it, it seems like spending using a, a couple of thousand pound bike to just commute is just silly, really, yeah. isn't it? It's just money down the drain. Granted, yeah, yeah. you know, you perhaps save money from using a car, public transport, blah, 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 blah. But I, I, I just think there's, there's just people are different. People have different, mm-hmm. different requirements and therefore different price points, either because of how much they have as expendable income or how, how important it is. Like I know you would spend, you would be comfortable spending a couple of grand on a bike for commuting because you're not going to be drive, buy, buying a car. So like spending two grand on a bike that's perfect for commuting, like that's saving you thousands of pounds every year. It is. And I've, I guess I've been spoiled by, I like a bike to fit. I like a bike to ride at least a certain amount of, you know, I want it to feel yeah. at least a certain goodness mm. <laughs> before it's like, because that, 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 that was always my, my method in when I lived in London is I used to work on the basis that public transport costs a year. So if I got a tube pass for like zone one to four or whatever zone I was living in at the time, I can't remember, it was it was like what, three, 400 quid a month. So I used to work on the basis of, well, if I buy a thousand pound bike, basically free. Mm-hmm. It's not, but it kind of is. It was, yeah. That's always how I looked at it. And you get fitness for free as well. Yeah, free Great. fitness. But yeah, I, I, I think the quality of true entry-level bikes has got better because mm-hmm. you wouldn't be you wouldn't be able to buy something like the tri-van seven or eight years ago like it wouldn't be be as good so there is definitely people say oh the entry level the bike industry is out of control blah 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 
I don't know if that's true. You're just looking at the wrong brands. And there are brands like Decathlon, shops like Decathlon, Halfords, and now making a very quality bike for not very much money. I have to say, and it surprised me a lot, mm -hmm. the Decathlon offering is really good. Yeah. And it really has surprised me. Yeah. They actually, um, they got in touch with us. So this is an example of us doing stuff for the purpose of our audience. Um, they actually got in touch with us and, and offered us another bike for free. Bearing in mind, so the first one, they knew nothing. They didn't even know who we were. No. They didn't, um, we bought the bike. We didn't, you know, they, they had no knowledge of us making it. Oh, I was about a conspiracy. We're sponsored by Decathlon, apparently. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. So they then got in touch with us after it. I had a chat with them. They offered us a, a 750 quid bike for free. And I said no, because it would just be, well, one, it was too expensive. And we, we know we were doing a higher priced Halfords one. Oh. Um, but it just didn't serve our audience. It just ends up being an advert for Decathlon. We might explore some other price points in the future, but it just didn't work. All of those bikes that we bought for that series, none of the brands involved knew anything about it. And you liked the idea of secret filming in the yeah, shop. Apparently, so you, get just... really, you can get real trouble in Walmart. They hate people filming inside there. There we go. Um, good job we're not there now. But I guess that one served as a, a good example of what is, is possibly too cheap. Like, where's the, where's the line? That's an interesting question. Something you talk of quite a bit. Well, you talk, well, as we were building those videos, something you talk to me of quite a bit is, what is it? B-S... B-S-O. B-S-O, bike-shaped object. I don't think the Walmart is just a B-S-O. No. Is it any lower than that? It's a brute of a bike, and it is usable, but, like, for a little bit more, you're going to get a much better product. But then, yeah, like you said, any lower than that goes down to that eBay bike that you got and it becomes a bike that's made of cheese. And That is a problem. However, people still buy them. There are still, I see people in Newcastle riding those, delivering stuff. So they are, they're clearly usable. But for how long? I think that's, I think that's probably the thing that we consider the most as part of this, mm -hmm. which is perhaps why we write off some of the lower end stuff. Because we look at it as you could spend t perhaps £200 on a bike and you're probably going to have to spend another £100 six months down the line. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you buy a £300 bike, you're probably not going to have to spend anything for 12 months, two years. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at the longer term durability of the bike. And there is a minimum standard for that. But that has definitely come down because you've got stuff like MicroShift which I think is actually brilliant. The new version is really good. It's, it's so good. Really good. And I, I, do you know how much it costs? Well, the whole group set will be less than 100 pounds. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. That is so cheap, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like that, that didn't used to exist. Like when I started riding bikes, you know, your options were, were low-end Shimano, which was still pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. When shopping for an entry-level bike, I think the biggest thing thing so the things that stand out as being challenges are fit for definite mm -hmm. um so spend some time exploring fit and hopefully they'll let you have a test ride i guess that's one of the things you typically get from a bike shop is they'll let you have a test ride i don't actually know if decathlon let you have a test ride or helfords i imagine they don't in walmart i'm not i'm not yeah i've got a sure. secret camera out again <laughs> yeah 
test riding it would definitely be a good idea because you get an idea of whether it's going to fit for you or not. Um, something that we explore in those videos is it feels like at that price point, rim brakes are a much better offering. Yes. Depends on what you want to do with it. Because if you do have, if you went for the version above the one we bought, disc brake, it's a little bit more expensive, but immediately you have a lot more tire clearance. Mm. So you could ride it on gravel yeah. if you wanted to, off-road, tow paths, whatever. And the brakes will be safe. They'll just be spongy and not that nice. Like the Halford one. Unless it's really wet. No, they'll be better at the wet. Uh, they won't. Nice. They definitely won't. They will. I've used I've used brakes like that in the wet, and they basically don't work. <laughs> which, which ones did you? TRP. TRP is good. I bet they were. I wear they were properly. They had compressionless cables and everything. They are. This is from. This would have been seven years ago, and they are. They are worse than rim brakes. You see, there's such. So now we've ridden quite a few high. Mechanical disc brakes. I think a lot of it is down to the setup. There's very polarizing opinions from a lot of people. You speak to Tony, he's like, they should be illegal. You speak to some of the bike touring guys, and they're like, they're brilliant. We should make yeah, videos. It, it, we really should test more. Because my experience we really of should test more. Mechanical disc brakes is that in the wet, they are worse than alloy rim brakes. Sure. Well, luckily, we've got loads. Yeah, we can test them. So we, when we were making those videos, we ended up using Catherine Halford Walmart. Yeah. Um, we went there because it's surprisingly hard to find. A, that, that's ultimately, it seems to be the kind of businesses, these kind of like out of town retail stores seem to be the businesses that are doing the best sort of, you know, 200 to 800 pound bikes which seems quite odd. Obviously, there are some alternatives to that, which are usually like direct consumer businesses like Planet X. I'm not sure if they do sell internationally. Perhaps they do. Mm -hmm. But definitely in the UK, Planet X were massive. I think they've just gone into administration though. Uh, don't quote me on that. There's, they still exist. Uh, but then there's also like Canyon. You know, Canyon is an example which have always historically had better value than the big brands. Um, it's not something we explored because it gets complicated with buying one of those bikes and getting it to us etc etc we ultimately wanted to be able to walk in to a physical store um see what it's actually like the 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 this is the places that a person who doesn't know much about bikes would go into to buy their first bike between i can't really comment on walmart we weren't there for long enough but the decathlon and halford's shops decathlon very careful with their fitting the correct handlebars, correct crank length. They thought about things. Halfords, not so much. So if yeah. you were in going to go into one of them, I would recommend Decathlon. I think the offering is better. The 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 comment which we get quite a bit in on this topic was, why not do a second hand bike? And we did talk about this briefly last time about why we're a bit nervous about getting into the second hand yeah. space. Minefield. So there's obviously buying new versus buying secondhand. You definitely will get, on paper, better value for money buying secondhand than buying new. That's that's an absolute given mm -hmm. because the 500 
pound if for 500 pounds second hand you're potentially getting a like a really highly spec bike yeah but it just doesn't feel appropriate recommending someone that doesn't know lots about bikes or knows very little perhaps about bikes that they should buy a second hand one unless they're just happy to take the risk mm -hmm. if they are happy to take a risk then fine there's so many small things that could go wrong and you, you could miss mm. so yeah it's hard to make a video about unless it's from a bike shop so if something's been checked over yeah. somewhere like cycle exchange recycle they recycle your bike there's down the road here does cycle exchange do low end low, stuff they no. won't do they they're all like boy it's starting off it's premium isn't yeah it? a thousand pounds more so it's it's actually so they're actually they're not it's it's the kind of bike shop that you walk down your high street and they've got they they look like a grotty old bike shop mm. when you go in there there's like a massive array of stuff the guy that's working there's probably worked there for 30 years and just knows bikes bike, inside bike out. The same, the same, <laughs> the same setup as like music shops. Yeah, yeah. The best yeah, music yeah. shops are the ones which just look like like they're going to be full of junk from the outside mm -hmm. and then you go inside and they're just absolutely fantastic and the, the, the people that run it are complete and that are experts. Yep. I think the biggest takeaway from this is that based on the comment section, the majority of people watching our videos at the moment are riding things similar to Triban, Carrera. They're accessible bikes, and I would like to add, they are the best value they've ever been. I think you're getting the best product ever. Okay. Because the trickle down just from all the groups and manufacturers and stuff, that the components that we've, you know, maybe not the Walmart one, it does reach the point where it's starting to be frustrating as a bike to ride. The other two, the Halfords bike, the Carrera Vanquish, and the Triban RC120, those are fantastic bikes for the money and i'm well impressed agreed i must yeah I'm, I'm with you on that on to our big question of the day if you had unlimited money what would your ultimate dream bike collection be if i had unlimited money mm. it would probably be exclusively harley davidson's <laughs> can i say that my next door neighbor has a Harley Davidson. He does. Yeah, it's, it's really fantastic. cool, isn't it? It's, it's, so, it's a really good one. It's so good. It's a really good one. Uh, Our team boss had one as well. What, yeah, Harley? Harley? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one Wicked. day. Yeah. Maybe one day. Uh, jokes aside. Bicycles. Bicycles, yeah. yeah. The first thing to consider is... This is what? Disciplines. So types of bike that you would want in your collection. Right, okay. So, road bike, yes or no? What, yes, it would be in there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Gravel bike. Yeah. Cyclocross bike. No. Mountain bike. Yes. Uh, Cross country and bigger. E-bike. Enduro. Yes. Okay, let's, let's now sub, let's start with each one. Road bike. How many road bikes would you have? What would, what would they be? Probably just one. I'd have a carbon aero bike. Aero? Yeah. Like big fat wheels? Yeah. Oh, we've missed one. Ooh. Time trial bike. Nah, I wouldn't have a TT. I definitely would have a TT. For what? Time trial? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? When's the last time you did a time trial? Well, I haven't because I don't have a TT bike oh, anymore. Why? You could do a TT bike. You can do time trial on anything. Yeah, it's not the same though. See, my road bike choice, I have unlimited money. I might as well just have all of them. You just have like 500 bikes. It's a stupid question. But I would choose the road bike which is aero i'd do an aero road bike and then i'd use it for tts as well because i like the idea of making a road bike as fast as possible and doing one of those tts which is road bike only you know like, i think aero coach host one well, they like I, do they they or xavier wins it every time 
all, all of the TTs will have a road bike ca category. Yeah. So you can still you can still do that and go yeah. like I. There's there's, there's parameters, isn't there? Like the bars have to be a certain width, and like you can't do too much crazy stuff to it. I know the guys who do are really serious about it and win them are basically on TT frames with road drop handlebars on. But I kind of I don't know. It's... So you'd have one road bike. Yeah. Which would be a super fast aero road bike. Yeah, I think so. I would or have like a steel bike as well, just to hang on the wall. I... One of those Villia Romato ones. I think I would have loads of vintage road bikes. Oh. Did, uh, I think, you know, Robin Williams. Yeah. He had like a massive, massive collection. Did he? Like, he was a big fan of the Tour de France, wasn't he? Yeah. He, has, okay. he had loads. I think he's had like 200 bikes, all wow. vintage like road bikes. And I, I don't know. I just like them for some reason. Mm. I definitely, definitely want to get Mario, um, Marco Pantani's Bianchi one day. I definitely want to get oh, Bianchi, not the video that I've ridden. No, not the video. Yeah, yellow. I think I would. I think I would just get loads of like really cool vintage bikes, get them all fully restored, unless it was like actually someone's significance bike covered in mud or whatever from a, an okay so this is that, that's like collection kind of stuff well yeah that's you wouldn't would you ride it would you ride them mm. what if it was that you had to choose one bike from each category it's too hard but then you but then you why why would you you've got unlimited money no fuck you just wouldn't do that if have I, to admit if I, Jimmy, if I had unlimited money i don't know if i'd ride a bike if i had <laughs> If I had I'd be in a to, plane, I'd, I'd be doing other stuff, seeing the world. Yeah, I'm, I just can't see a thing. No, not on a bike. Nah. Well, sometimes maybe there'd be an occasional trip when I would have a great time. But the rest of my time, if I, I wouldn't have to work, so I'd be doing other stuff. This is news to me because you got back from your American ride, and all you could say for about two days was, "I want to go back and ride the other way." Mm. And now, and now you're saying you don't even want to ride bikes. If I had unlimited money. And you had the option of just, I could buy a jetpack and just jetpack jet around the world. So now you're telling me that riding bikes is just a means. Unlimited money. Unlimited money. Do you not like riding bikes? I do. You and the Rob industry, Francis. I do it sometimes. But if I had unlimited money, I would be doing a lot madder stuff. Unlimited money. You're not thinking about this. I would still ride bikes. Okay. Boring. Riding bikes is fun. It is fun. This is why I have a vintage collection, because it would just be like vintaging around France. Okay. With my baguette and red wine. Have fun with that. Would you get a mountain bike? No. Really? I'd probably... Well, I would, just because I could. I'd get an e-mountain bike. I would get a mountain bike and never use it. Mm. And I'd be annoyed that the handlebars are so wide, it was just getting in the way of all my other vintage bikes. Mm. But you don't have money, so you'd have a massive room for it. Yeah, but I'd st it would still annoy me. It was getting in the way because yeah. it's just I'd probably end up like turning the bars sideways and like sticking. No, you wouldn't get your bike. You're unlimited money. There's a man who brings them to you from one of those car parks that they have like in Tokyo, where you just like you put the bike in and then it goes up in a lift. I feel, and then when you want a different one, it just like pulls. I feel it like down. if we if I feel like our lives would be very different if we had unlimited money. Yeah, I think yours would be like um, Tony Stark, aka the asshole. And mine would be more like, um, isn't he a philanthropist? Not really, a faux one. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably. That's have... basically it. Was pretty much what I described earlier, isn't it? Jetpack around the world. Yeah. Iron Man suit. Yeah, I would do that. <laughs> yeah. Just I wouldn't be cycling. Yeah. I wouldn't be cycling. Sorry, yeah. sorry, guys. You would just would... pay people to cycle on your behalf. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would have vintage road bikes. If I had to have one, based on that question which you mentioned, it would definitely be a custom steel road bike. Mm. And I would probably get my boy Billy from How the Frameworks to make me one, and that would be my road bike done. Or you wouldn't go for one of those like real boutique Italian builders who you don't have any control in what they make, and they just kind of do it. Well, it's still boutique. It's just someone I know and someone that I like rather than just a random person. Yeah, no, fair enough. I would, I would get a, a beautiful steel bike from Billy, which I might actually do one day anyway. Um, I would have a gravel bike, but you only need one. Mm-hmm. 650B does all, does all the bulb. I probably would have a fast gravel bike. Brunk? Bike? Yeah. Like like the, the addict, uh, addict gravel. You yeah. Know, that kind of like... It's the sort of thing that you don't have really knobbly tires on it. It's a racing just gravel. Smashing air racing gravel. When you want to go fast on like paved stuff or mm. sling it on some sandy bits or whatever, not like the gnarly stuff. You ba- it's basically like a winter gravel bike and a summer gravel bike. Gravel road. Yeah. Well, they're kind of made for. <clears throat> yeah. Supposed to. Or actually, if I was getting a custom steel one, I'd probably just get that with two wheels. <laughs> I knew I had a limited God, bike. God, never did But all my spaces take you with vintage steel <laughs> road bikes. I'd say and t- and TT bikes. I would definitely get one TT bike that is like outrageous. Probably. Would you buy a wind tunnel? You know, wind tunnel in your house. No, I would. You're I'm not thinking big enough, Jimmy. Because I wouldn't be care. I wouldn't actually care about the performance. It's just because I I, I like time trialing. Mm-hmm. So I'd be, I would probably buy it, hate the position, and then do TTs on on my vintage steel road bike. Yeah, that's probably what would happen. Yeah. Is this a bit like the question you asked me the other day? It's like, what would you do if you if you could retire and have unlimited money? What would you then do? And all I could think of was music. sit and play Zelda <laughs> <laughs> and play some music with yeah. you. Yeah. We could do that now. Well, we can't because we've got stuff to do. Yeah, true. We need to build this scenario where we can have, well, you can have jetpacks. Like- you know what? I'd probably play Zelda for about a week and then get bored of it. So it's a problem, isn't it? And then you always got to be doing stuff in life. Buy the game developer and make them make a new version of Zelda every week for you. Every week, because you can. <laughs> uh, mountain bikes. Would you have a mountain bike? Yeah. Yes. So I want. Presumably, I, 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 you would have I, a lot of mountain bikes. I don't know. I think if I had a something like a, a Scott Ransom E ride, I think it's called. It's the electric Ransom. So like a. Enduro, 170 mil travel, electric bike. And presumably with it being E, it means that the stuff that we you perhaps would need a uh, cross-country bike for... Well, it would have an RB reactor in it as well. So it never runs out of battery. Of course, of course. But I've already invented one of those, so it's fine. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Um, would you have a titanium bike? No. Not even for the wall. No. No. Yeah. So, uh, what features? Bearing in mind that you are now Tony Stark. Yeah. What features on your bikes? would you want that don't currently exist there's one there's one on the sheet which presumably emily producer emily has put on which is absolutely genius and it's i think it's something we've talked about on a video quite a while ago self-drive no solar panels so solar solar pa- or, or at least like regenerative power so you can have like electric gearing an e-bike oh okay so no 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 this brings us to a less ludicrous idea which I'm surprised hasn't been done yet in any capacity, even as a weird test thing. But why can't DI2 or ETAP run off your hub? Hub, yeah. Like why not? Yeah, like your dynamo should just be forever working. Yeah, there shouldn't. It, 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 the amount of power you're producing, just come on, take a little bit. Yeah, invent something, guys. Well, I guess Garmin are doing solar energy now and solar street. Those are like. It works so much better than I thought. I was like, okay, solar, like the screen is solar powered. The watches had it for a bit and it made it incremental difference. Is that, is that watch a solar one? Yeah, that's a solar. Um, My one is- but the face of uh, the Garmin, the big head units, is so big and it's always in the sun that it makes a real difference. So it's like two hours extra. If you go riding, it will like extend its own life by a couple of hours if you do like a five or six hour ride. Isn't that good? Yeah. You go weeks. Maybe you go weeks on the. Maybe I'm not riding long enough for it to do that. No, she's just because <laughs> it's commuting. <laughs> Does it? Well, have you have you noticed how much it generates in like rubbish weather? Um, it Seems says less. it say, says on it. So you get a um, a report after your ride of how much juice is put back in. Juiced. It also gives you a percentage of solar on the screen live if you want it. So like 100 percent nice and sunny day. When it's cloudy, it's still up like 85%. So as long as you're outdoors, you're getting some. In addition to that, if you put your Garmin on on sleep mode or rest mode, you know, not uh, standby, basically standby, and you put it in the sun, it will charge. So it's not just slowing down the rate of it going down, it will legitimately gain battery. So why That's cool. this technology needs to be in bikes, bikes should be self-charging. Well, it doesn't have to be solar. It just the amount of, look, you're putting so much look. power into the ride anyway. Like that's how dynamos works. Brilliant. Surely, or USB. A Garmin computer uses more energy than a battery in like ETAP or DI2. But not in their life. But in terms of like one ride, surely the actual energy used on an electric group set is like relatively low. It must be able to self-generate. Got to. We really need to like design this, and it's just not constantly being used, is it? It's just like an occasional. Exactly, it's, it's got to be tiny compared to a head unit that's on like permanently yeah, loads yeah. of like brightness and connecting to satellites and all of this stuff. It's got to be good question. It, question it has that. to come next. It has to be next. Electrical engineer will mark in the comment section. Would you want a self-driving bicycle? 
No, apparently Elon Musk's working on it. He's not really. Well, he probably is. It could. It'll be as good as his cars. Not that good. Well, this is that's that's a tough thing to say because some people You're say stuck in an Uber with it. Have you ever been in a Tesla before? I haven't. And like you have to, there's no ha- like handle. You have to like press a button, and then and then the handle goes boop, and then it appears, and then you open the door. It got stuck for a while. Very awkward. The Tesla Uber. LA. It's almost all Teslas. Yeah. Oh, I know what I would add. What's that? Well, I've got one, but I would still add it. An e-cargo bike. Yes. Everyone should have an e-cargo bike. Everyone. Everyone, instead Everyone. of a car. Mm. Or at least as well as. Instead of having a second car, you should have an e-cargo bike. Oh, that'd be amazing. Bike. Imagine if you're like 60, 70% of journeys were just those. But amazing. it would have to be to new regulations. The current UK regulations of 250 watts and yeah. maximum of 17 miles an hour or whatever it is. I think it's 60. It's not an hour. 24k an hour. It's not, it's not fast. Enough. But it's not even just about speed. It's like if you've got like a kid on the bike or all of your week's shopping or a backpack full of stuff, you need more power to be able to like navigate most of the hilly terrain in this country. Yeah, they need to be more powerful. The UK regulation needs to be updated so more people can use e-cargo bikes every day. 100%. It doesn't, it just needs to be a bit more. It's not much, just a bit. A bit, yeah. It's like 30, 40% more yeah. power and speed. Brilliant. Any other bikes you would add? World's smallest bike. What about? They're made by a guy in Russia. I really want to ride what what about a bike for underwater? It's a topical. Underwater is quite topical at the minute, isn't it? And you know you're Tony Stark now, so generally, I stay away from water. Water, mm. not the most. I'm a good swimmer. But I just feel like underwater should be left alone. So so not there then. Mm. No, you don't want that. Wouldn't have that bike now. Flying bicycle. Yes. If that existed, I would get one. Would it be where, like, you turn the pedals and there's, like, wings that flap like a bird? So, like, you you're, you have to... Your cadence is relevant to the flap. I feel like that could be a, a neater solution for that. Yeah. Some sort of hover beams. Hover beams mm. of UV spectrum light. Like a, a tra- 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 tractor beam that sucks up people from a spaceship. How's that going to Turn it... Ra- no, the opposite. Reverse the polarity. Yeah. Put it on the wheels of the bike. Hover bike. So wouldn't that just suck space to you? No, no, no. Because you reverse the polarity. Okay, cause it's all. It's the newly renamed fluff up of the week. <laughs> because the fluff up of the week this week is. We swear too much in the podcast. We do swear too much in the podcast. Admittedly, we didn't realise how many people were listen to this in the car with their kids. Or like cooking dinner with, or, you know, like you might have on the TV and your kids are running. Exactly. Around. As we know, as long as you don't let them listen to swear words, they won't ever discover they exist. <laughs> so yeah, our fluff up is, um, we are going to try and swear less. Mm. And, and I've already sworn once in this podcast. I know I did it earlier. I'm very upset with myself. I, I don't, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? Okay, there should be a list of words that are bad. 
what i think the one you used makes this like a pg rating rather than like a 15 rating yeah sure there's amounts of that you you can you can have a few hmm. in like a on your dvd can't you before you have to put 18 on it i actually watched a um a story or like a, a real thing whatever they're called these days of the two guys that are in lord of the rings not frodo his two mates mary and pippin it was mary and pippin and they were talking about wouldn't it be great uh if the lord of the rings certificate was like one higher so that they could start swearing and they were giving the examples of like just like adding cuss words exactly. into various just like normal sentences i was like yeah, would, that, would, that would, would be good you would mm. swear if you're being attacked by orcs yeah okay Literal. darn it have you seen the wes anderson version of fantastic mr fox yes brilliant film and i absolutely love that that film has a lot of swearing in it and every single one of those swear words is the word cuss and it is honestly the coolest thing about that film. I love it. I don't like a cuss. I do, yeah. I do. Because then you could try and work out what the cuss is. Because he uses it in all of them. You're a cuss. You. You're a cuss. No, I'm not. I'm a cuss. Atticus. Time for another round of our favourite bit of the podcast, which is... Is your favourite? This is my favourite, yeah. It's so good. Overrated or underrated? And I'm glad Chainwax isn't on the list this week. <laughs> We upset a lot of people. I tell you what, I think I need to revisit chain wax because the chain wax I used was a long time ago and it was so horrible. It, I, I just I just roped it off as something I never want to use. But based on the comments from the last video, I feel like chain wax now is very was it, I, good I, it was then. I tried to say it in the, in the podcast, but we kind of got off topic. What I was trying to say was you were using, not you weren't, doing melty pot no. chain wax. Okay, everyone there is talking about melting yes. chain wax. Yeah. I didn't realise people were actually doing that. Yeah. What Jimmy was talking about is like squirt lube. No. Do you remember Wend? So, uh, yeah, stuff like that. So it's that wax like, you put on the That was chain. like physical wax and it usually used to go everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. squirt lube is just like a liquid. So, okay. So the argument was a little bit... I did use squirt. That was quite good. Yeah. Do you, I see, I'd use squirt before my chain went dry. Oh, it doesn't last very long. You have to exactly. That's the problem with the UK stuff. But um, no, we're like I am fully up for attempting to use. Maybe I'll choose one bike and just do it on that hot chain, hot chain wax thing. Hot, hot wax. Uh, but we just need to get all the stuff and actually figure out how to do it. Yeah. And uh, I will see. Is there a barrier for people who like? Yeah. Okay. I'm. I bought a dry band. I'm going to try chain waxing. Is it a big portion of? Like once you bought the pot, you didn't. You don't buy a pot, do you? It's like just heat up the wax. Melt it all, buy all the things to Maybe do it. Everyone. Taking off a chain. There's, like, there's things that people won't want to do. But the amount of people that are commenting about durability with hot wax is so significant that it probably is something that people should learn how to do, even if you do have a 200 pound bike. Potentially, if it makes your chain last three times longer, well, exactly. four times longer. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we've digressed. <laughs> and, and we'll probably get Nick on, in on that video as well because he has a very different opinion. Does he? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first one. Bike fits. Overrated. Underrated. Massively overrated. Why? Because nearly all bike fits are uh, snake oil. I think you... There, I wish there was more people. No, 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 you're right. I think there's loads of shit bike fits. I just swore. 
feet. <laughs> there are loads of bike fitters who don't know what they're doing. And some of them have been fitting professional athletes for years. And it's crazy. So the world of bike fitting is not developed enough. And it's reached the point where James, we have a friend, bike fit James, James Thomas, he won't even recommend other bike fitters now because he's has done in the past in other countries, other locations, because not everyone can fly to London to get a bike fit. And nor should they. It has caused issues because they've done things that he disagrees with and hurt people, caused them pain. So it's just not worth it. So it's a minefield. Total well, minefield. I However, if bike fits were done correctly, they are underrated because people are generally uncomfortable on bikes and bikes are being specced with the wrong size components all the time so i think you avoid all of that for performance bike fits are underrated so that's someone which is in the top one percent of athletes that are legitimately trying to find watts and they would typically ride a position that is compromised because they want performance the perfect example of that is time trialing a time trialing position is hideous but you can get performance from a good bike fit. For normal people, I think they are massively overrated because actually bikes being specced correctly in the first place would remove a lot of the issues that people then have to fix in a bike fit. But there's nothing stopping a company like Decathlon or Halfords training their staff to do a few very basic bike fit things which could be called a bike fit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a basic bike fit before you buy a bike. It's like, okay, so you're doing clipped in shoes, cleats go at the back, your handlebars are the same with your shoulders, your crank length is shorter because you're on a small frame and you're this tall. Like there's things you can just do correctly from the start. And for some reason, it's just not done in shops. That would be a very small amount of education for the staff you, you and have a massive benefit to the customer. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I too do agree with that. But do you remember when we were in Decathlon the guy, when we asked for a medium, the guy actually said you should get a small. Yeah, so he was on it. Yeah, yeah, he was right. He was so, right. So like, there you go. They're, they're, they, that's, but I think the Cathalon are an anomaly in this because mm, we, we know from looking into it that they do have shorter stems, smaller bars, smaller cranks. They're actually doing some of the stuff. The, the women's bikes are spec by women. And I, and I think if you, if the bikes are spec correctly in the first place, then people are less likely to then go, why well, I'm having issues with my neck. I'm having issues with this because they've ended up the wrong bike. Bearing also in mind that places like Evans, back in the day, I don't know what they're like these days, they were notorious for selling people whatever stock they needed. Whatever's on the shop floor, yeah. we'll get rid of this one because it's a, yeah. And, and obviously that, that doesn't bode well, and then that leads to people needing bike fits. Bike fits should be overrated because the bike should be right in the first place. Next. AliExpress group sets. This is tough. This is a hard one. Jeez, this week. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Um, Currently, overrated, will be underrated when they work out the kinks. Because I think they have skyrocketed in quality. I Yeah, I like that. I agree. I think I agree. There, there's a lot of potential. However, the price difference now between the comparable group sets for example we've been testing that l2 group set the road and gravel yeah it's around the weight of 105 and the performance is similar 
but the price is basically the same. So why wouldn't you just go for 105 and you got like a little bit of more peace of mind in terms of warranty. However, they've replaced stuff when we've had issues. So I don't know. It's almost much of a muchness. Yeah, I, I think the price thing, they, they've, they've caught up on price and therefore it starts to go, well, what's the point? And they're doing electric ones and all sorts. We'll see. We'll have to see where it goes. Mm. I, I think I think you I think you've summarised that one quite well. Yeah. There's definitely examples of. So, my friend Harry is staying with me at the moment because he was up for the nationals, and he raced the nationals, and he was in the breakaway of the national road race champs, and he's riding uh, an Elves carbon frame with a Sensor Empire Pro group set, rear brake. He was the only guy on rib breaks in the whole race. I, 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 I honestly, I love it. I love it. He's brilliant because, like, he was there with that bike, his helmet that he's like illustrated Custom-hated himself. Yeah, you must have stood out so much. Yeah. I loved it. And then they called him Henry, not Harry, on TV. Thanks, commentators. Good one. Aluminium bikes. For what purpose? Riding. <laughs> Underrated. They're great. I think now, where we've got to with the amount of carbon that's out there, I think they are massively underrated. Like, I, ro- I rode, like, performance alloy bikes for many years, and I, I love... My it. first race bike was an alloy bike, Cervelo S1. One of the first aero, like, bikes. That's brilliant. The villa that you rode that was... was not the point. Okay, now I'll go backtrack on that. It's not one of the first aero bikes, but it was an alloy aero frame, which was very rare to see. Oh, really cool. I think I know the guy that designed that bike. I think that was one of Damon's. I think that's another thing. <laughs> um, the video that you rode, it was Marco Pantani's. Yeah. How old was that? Was that not an alloy one? Carbon. First year of carbon. Uh, yeah. But it's surprisingly good. Surprisingly good. I, th- I do think aluminium is underrated now. Yeah. Because it's, it's light, it's historically been cheaper than carbon mm-hmm. uh i guess the all of the i guess all of where we're at with cycling isn't it is all of those little gaps and margins that just become smaller mm-hmm. so like the overlap of steel and aluminium and carbon and titanium it kind of overlaps so much now it's hard to kind of work out what's best and what's not yes like you can get like a good really carbon good. frame now for like a thousand pounds if you look you know what to look for you get, well, actually, you could pick up cheaper than that, yeah. cheaper than that, way cheaper. Whereas, whereas, you know, ten years ago, you would only you'd you'd be looking at a couple of grand without it being like, you know, like all of the middle range bikes were always alloy, and then the premium stuff was then when you got to carbon, and now it's carbon all the way down, as far down yeah, as you can yeah, be. Yeah, of course, um, they are under sorry, they're overrated as crit bikes. I've never understood this. Alum, aluminium frame is a crit bike which doesn't need to be light. I get that because you're racing, racing a crit, which is generally going to be quite flat. But if you crash, and there are a lot of crashes in crits, you can repair a carbon frame. But you can't repair an alloy frame. Admittedly, if you dent it, you can carry on riding. There's two reasons. One, it's quite hard to write off an aluminium frame with crashing in. It can be done, of course, mm. but it's like, it's quite tough. Yeah. Like, you can crash an alloy bike and you're going to be fine. And two, they became really popular at the point where you could get like a CAD 
12 or a CAD 10 fully built with 105 for like 700 quid. Whereas the equivalent that was carbon was probably two and a half grand. Yeah. So if you if you roped that frame off, you could replace that frame for 300 quid. Whereas if you had a carbon bike to fix it back then, you know, like five years ago, 10 years ago, there weren't many people doing carbon repairs for a start. And if there were, you could get a whole new frame for probably less than the carbon repair. Yeah. I think now it's, you know, carbon repair is much more accessible and alloy bikes are a lot more expensive. Mm. So like there's probably an argument now for actually having a steel crit bike because like you say, the weight oh, doesn't matter that much. Flexi. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be. You just make it heavier. It'll probably be a nine and a half kilo bike, but it'll be stiff as hell. But then you're riding a very heavy bike out of corners all the time. Yeah, get fair. Manus and Genesis that rode steel bikes. They did, yeah. Mm. yeah. That was they. That wasn't particularly stiff steel either. I yeah. think that was like they were light bikes. The whole team hated them. Did they? It's good. <laughs> They're pros. I don't want to ride some heavy steel bike. <laughs> Having said that, Pete's now like, I love this bike. Pete. He was like, Pete Hawkins was on the team. Right. And he still has his frame right. from all those years ago. Yeah. And now he's not racing. He's like, oh, this is wicked. What a great piece of history and a little great thing to ride. But, and suits the suits normal riding, for sure. But that, if you're racing at that level, like... That's the thing. At that level, it's bonkers. Um, but for a typical person doing a crit... Yeah, like I, I used to. It was an, it was a I nice idea. Steel. It just didn't quite work. I used to crit on steel back in the day, and then alloy. Next up, Durace. Is it underrated or overrated? Um, overrated. Yeah, overrated. The difference between Altegra and Durace is the difference between one and five and Durace is tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny, 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 tiny. Um, it looks nice. It's a luxury. When rim brakes are around, you used to be able to get it really cheap, and therefore, I think, it, well, I say really cheap. You used to be able to get a full Dura Race rim brake group set on Wiggle with a British cycling discount for about 700 quid, mm -hmm. considering at the time it was probably like a £2,000 group set. Um, so there was a point where half of London were rolling around on Dura Race group sets because, you know, it, it was 700 quid rather than £2,000. Uh, now, I would imagine it's very, it's more expensive, probably. But I wouldn't buy it now. No one needs it. No. Well, tour pros don't even need it. You could ride an Altega group set and your bike will be the weight limit. It's brilliant. I would imagine quite a few of them are on dual race cranks and Altegra bits here and there. Probably. I would have thought. There was even a women's team riding 105 the yeah. last few months. I can't remember who. Saw it online now. Carbon bikes. Overrated. Overrated. I'm pretty neutral on this. They're, they're good in the sense that carbon has led to interesting tube profiling and design, which, which has advanced bikes to a really cool, fast space. Mm -hmm. But in terms of if I was going to go out and buy a new bike, would I look for carbon? No. Interesting. Okay. I'd go for a carbon bike if I was buying in the market for it. I wouldn't actively look for it. I wouldn't yeah. be like, it must be carbon. Mm. And I, th I think probably people that are in the kind of 1,000 to 2,000 price bracket will probably think that buying a carbon bike over an alloy bike or a steel bike is like something they should do because they'll get a better product. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Mm. Yeah, fair enough.
I think they're good. I don't think they're necessarily underrated, but they're really good. Carbon is a fantastic material to make a bicycle out of because of the properties. It just works really well. Mm. You can manipulate it. You can make a bike ride extremely well and so light. Great. You can repair it. Uh, environmentally, perhaps not very good. That would be an argument against it. Mm-hmm. What would be the best material environmentally? I don't actually know. To recycle aluminium. Can you recycle steel? Yeah. What about titanium? Oh, it gets complicated. Doesn't yeah, it, it does. Because then you even you even have to go into like extracting. Yeah, let's 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 that's not one for here. Bikes are not very environmental. We'll leave it at that. Way <laughs> <laughs> to get out the tires. Zwift. How much is Zwift per month? Thirteen pounds, maybe twelve ninety nine. Okay. How much is World of Warcraft? So maybe six or seven quid. Mm. So Zwift is double the price. Yep. Smaller company. It's cool what they've done. It's the only. I think it's the clear. It's this so far ahead of any other um, simulation games you yeah. can play while riding a turbo trainer. I'd always. I always choose Zwift. So. Here's a question to you. Mm. Probably doesn't apply to you as much anymore, but especially when you look at like racing times, because I knew you were young when you raced, but anyway. Would you always have a turbo trainer? Yeah. Would you always have Zwift? No. Same. Yeah. Which says to me that it's overrated. I like it. Yeah. It makes it more enjoyable. But it isn't going to stop me using a turbo trainer. No. So I, I, the the barrier for me is that the um, that it's quite expensive. It is, yeah. Yeah. If it was a five, if it was Netflix price, five nine. Well, Netflix isn't five ninety nine anymore, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it just like, I just haven't been looking, and it's gone up. Yeah. <laughs> it just has doubled the price. If it was five ninety nine a month, I think a lot more people would use Swift. Would double the people. How many people pay for Swift all year round, though? Yeah, good point. There's good a couple of months. Yeah, I would usually yeah. do it. Just, you know, you do it for winter, winter. then cancel it. Or if there's, I don't know, a reason to do some turbo in. I'm actually going to start a hay fever Zwift club. I heard this. Were you stuck indoors for a long time? Recently? Well, I was I was avoiding going outside yeah. because it was just so bad. Yeah. And then I'm about to move house. So where we're currently living, it's like temporary and it's quite small and we don't really have enough space. I do have a turbo there, but I don't even want to set it up because it's, there's not enough space. So next year I'm starting... Mm-hmm the Jimmy Nichols Hay Fever Zwift Club, which will exist for about two weeks every summer, maybe three weeks, probably not. Um, and the whole purpose is to be a recluse, not go outside for that period of time. I won't feature in any cage media videos, and I'll just Zwift for two weeks and see how many people want to join me. Oh, nice. Okay, well, have fun with that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Sounds terrible. Sounds horrible, doesn't mm. it? You're going to say the fan. we have to borrow your hardcore fans. Yeah. <laughs> Next up. Cleaning your bike. Underrated. Underrated. Easily underrated. I like cleaning bikes. I like cleaning bikes as well. I clean my bike almost every single time I ride. You used to. You don't anymore. Well, I don't ride as much. It's because we don't have, we don't have good enough like cleaning. Facilities. Oh, here. We finish here. We start and finish rides from here sometimes now. The, away from our houses for the viewers at home. And therefore, I don't have access to my lovely cleaning area, which used to be a nice area in my garden. The previous, owner of the, there was the previous owners of the house had put like a nice bed of flowers with little rocks and little fake plants. Mm. 
and then I just chucked it all out when I moved in and it's the bike washy bus. Yeah, put some and now loads of weeds and stuff are growing because I haven't used it in a while. I think Mad. I, I'm the so so if you keep your bike clean, it will last longer. Mm. The, like the parts on it will wear down. What's the deal with so we had when we upset all the chain wax people? A lot of the comments were, oh, yeah, I don't want to be cleaning my, my bike all that much. And you don't have to use harmful degreasers and stuff. You don't. I've never used a harmful degreaser. Having said that, we could use GTA 5 in the studio. But for cleaning a bike, like in terms of um, actual cleaning it, degreasing your drivetrain, washing up liquid or muck off, neither of those are harmful, are they? Uh, they probably are. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, they might be. I don't know. Well, they're not in terms of PTFE, but they might be just for like chemicals. But fairy liquid. Well, fairy liquid won't be. Fairy liquid's fine. Definitely. Oh, that's what I use. Uh, yeah, same. I and Markov make a point of their stuff being, a, you know, biologist. Some people get very upset with fairy liquid. Apparently, it's really bad for your drivetrain, but I, I, I don't see it. I've used it for forever. I am of the opinion that little and often, I will rinse down my bike. Every single time I use it when I'm riding at home. Oh, yeah, yeah, I never let it just, get... just hose it down, give it a little wipe off, let it dry, cool. Maybe maybe spray a, like a WD-40 GTA 5 thing to get some of the water out of the drivetrain. Mm -hmm. uh, but even that, I don't do very often. I just run a rag through it. So it's something that takes like two minutes, five minutes tops at the end of a ride. And then every couple of rides, every maybe three rides, I'll do it a bit and put a bit more effort into it. And it keeps it nice and clean. Do you want to talk about GTA 5? What about it? That we told them that they're not sponsoring us unless they take out PTFE. Uh, not at this point, I don't know. Okay. But I did tell them that. <laughs> Next up is Listener's Takeover. Question from Lackey on Australia. Good day, Jimmy and Francis. He's got to do an Aussie accent. Don't do it, don't do it. No way, no way. Imagine that backlash we'd get. Good day. I love riding and talking about bikes, but I suck at fixing them. Am I the only one, or is being a good amateur bike mechanic a rare thing? A good mechanic. I think being a good amateur bike mechanic is a rare, rare thing. thing. I agree. Because what I've learned from spending time with people like Nick, who has literally been doing it for 20 odd years, mm -hmm. is you think you're doing something right, and then he'll explain to you how bad, how bad it is that you're doing it, and why, and... He'll just, he just knows stuff. It's and a lot, isn't it? He also just has things. There's so many different, every single part of a bike is just put together in a different way. It's not like Lego where it just all clips together or like making a uh, PC at home, like putting together a computer. Everything just plugs into everything and it's great. Really, compared to a bike, like the compatibility of bike parts, it's just like the really, it's just all different companies and nothing, none of it quite works together as it should it definitely used to be easier you reckon like 10 years ago it was rim brakes it was all relatively simple you just wired the cables through probably not even through the frame mm. externally plugged some stuff on tightened a couple of cables and it just worked whereas i wouldn't i've built loads of rim brake bikes like with no issues at all oh, yeah, easy what i definitely am uncomfortable with now is hydro brakes i wouldn't even if something was dr2 i wouldn't even like consider Get, getting anywhere near it. Oh, DI2's alright. The electric stuff has made things easier, I think. Do you think? Yeah, because there's no cable tension, there's no cable friction to worry about, and if you were routing hoses through it, I think, and the ferrules all, like, have to bed in, and sometimes if you didn't put one in properly or you cut a brake cable, 
Not a thing people will mess up. Huh? But you still have to do all that. Not you're doing it with disc brakes. Yeah, okay, but not the wireless, uh, not the electric stuff. Right. Electric stuff is just works or wireless completely. And then what about when you plug it into a computer to update the firmware? You don't, though, do you? So do you ever update the firmware? I, well, no, I, I, I don't have DI2. I've seen bikes plugged into Nick's computer at the workshop. Mm. I never have had to update any of my DI2 stuff. Leave it. <laughs> I do. I think, I think it is normal for amateur bike mechanics to not be very good, especially because like the specialist tools as well, like BB presses. I would never touch bearings. There are obviously some things that are very simple, mm-hmm. like for example, taking a cassette on and off. Is like the the new SRAM stuff. It is a bit. You could mess that up, yeah, because it's uh, very fine. The threads weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like a SRAM cassette is just like. Yeah, BBs have got um, more difficult. Yeah, I mean back in the back in my day, everything was threaded. <laughs> threaded, yeah. Which is, uh, it was a, 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 again a very fine thread which could be messed up. But generally, if you knew which way you were turning, which which cut, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Now press fit. You need to press. You need the right attack. You need the right things that slot in. You need uh, a drift if you want to remove them, and you can mess things up. I have because you are literally hammering a bearing out of a thick. Like I, I have smashed a bearing out of a frame with a hammer and a screwdriver. Didn't end well. Yeah, yeah. You did the bearing just explode and go over it? Everything exploded. Yeah, maybe. it wasn't good. Um, There's lots of things that can go wrong. Just stick to the jobs that you know, but don't. You you're not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. I know how to do lots of... I mean, I was a mechanic at a shop. Um, before SRAM ETAP existed. <laughs> but I'm very impatient. So I can sympathize. You, you I'm not a good... I'm not a good yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a, I can, I can uh, do a lot of jobs, but I'm very impatient, so I can do them badly. I've never known anyone manage to thread a through axle before. Do you mean cross-thread? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah cross that is a throw axle, which is a massive, chunky thing. I, I, I see that as an achievement, actually. It is an achievement. Yeah. It is an achievement. About the week before I did it, Nick was making fun of a customer, Naughty Nick, who had crossed and did the free app with the axle. He's like, ah, this guy do it. And then I did it. I was like, oh, well, can't be that hard. I think that if you can find a good local bike mechanic and worship them because they will keep your bike tip top. Mm-hmm. Also, if you have any questions or stories, send it to Wild One Wild Ones Podcast at kradio.co.uk. And that's all for today's episode. If you watch the podcast on YouTube, please subscribe. And if you're listening and you like this podcast, please follow and leave us a review on Spotify, Google Podcasts, other places. All of the other podcast places that you use. The outro of this song will be played out to a song about my Dolph Bella. Rocky Balboa chasing your chickens This is what's become of my life And even though it's probably safe It's just as likely that it's not So come here you little fucking pace What the fuck is that in your mouth?
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.